0: Good morning, thankful to see each of you here, thankful for this sunny Lord's Day that we can come together, break that bread as we did a moment ago, and remember the death of our Savior Jesus Christ, um, to be able to give of our means, and to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. So tonight, of course, is a big Super Bowl, but we're going to have worship services anyway, Instead, I encourage you to come this evening. (laughs) See how I did that? (laughs) Works this time. Good morning. This morning, though, we're going to talk about how we can be an influencer in the world or how we can influence the world. You think about this world and all the things that are out there on television. Uh, Of course, I can't remember the last time I turned on my television to actually watch TV. I use it as a streaming device. I think most of us probably do. But the Internet, uh, you see all of these things on social media. These individuals that are so-called influencers, and, you know, they, they have a lot of following, maybe hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of followers, and they get paid to endorse a product or something, and, and suddenly the popularity of that product goes way up. Or if they have a negative review about something, the popularity of that thing goes down. And so there's a lot of influence in that way. And generally speaking in our world, this influence is a very bad influence. It's a negative influence. There are so many negative influences in this world that, that seek to turn the child of God away from God and to keep the lost ones from turning to God. And so there is all that influence, and the influence ultimately comes from the devil, works through people, through individuals, but Christians need to be an influence in the world today. Uh, much more than ever before. Maybe we need to be an influencer in the world. There are a lot of folks that will not listen to a sermon. They won't open the Bible. They won't listen to anything in a religious context, but they will observe the way people live their lives. and they may it may cause them to question some things. It may cause them to question themselves, it may make them wonder what you have that they don't. You know, there is a lot of good that can still be done in this world. This world that seems to be caught in the, in the throes of Satan's den of iniquity. You know, influence uh, even of a single individual can have an impact on something as simple as persuading someone to obey the gospel. To something as dramatic and heinous as encouraging people to fly planes into buildings full of people. In either case, either for good or evil, influence is that power that each of us has to affect in others, to affect their movement or change, action or inaction. And so influence is important. We need to understand the type of influence that we can have and why we should make it a positive influence. We need to understand several facts about influence, beginning with Uh, The idea that everybody, every one of us has an influence. From the teeny tiny baby, when they first come into this world, they have an influence upon the habits and the sleep schedule of the parents. Everything changes when those children come into the home. There is a great influence there. Uh, From the day of our birth to the day of our death, we're always going to influence someone. Romans chapter 14 and verse 7 makes this very clear. It says for none of us none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. We have an influence in everything that we do. Let none of us be guilty of thinking that we what we do or say uh, goes unnoticed by others. Because we have an influence. We have an impact on others whether we know it or not. We need also to understand that there are two kinds of influence. Uh, over in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, beginning there in verse 13, or Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, it says here, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, In a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, according to Jesus, a positive influence can help safeguard the world. You think about salt salt as a chemical agent can act to prevent the decay uh, prevent decay just as Christians can act to prevent the decay of society and upholding uh, honesty, justice, and fairness when people see the way that we conduct ourselves we conduct ourselves as a light in this world as salt to this world salt in a good way we can uphold those things you think about uh, if Uh, God had found ten righteous people in all of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and all those cities of the plain. If there had been ten righteous people, he would have spared them all. And we know there weren't any. Had there been, though, those cities would have been preserved. By a Christian's good deeds, he uh, or she can encourage uh, those that are despondent or those that have a dejected heart. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Think about the influence you would have on someone's day just by a kind word. By the things you do and say others can be caused uh, to turn to Jesus. But, you know, the opposite is also true, isn't it? You think about uh, King David. He committed a heinous act with Bathsheba, murdered her husband, and yet second uh, uh, Samuel 12 verse 14, notice what it says. It says, "How be it, by this deed, this is uh, the words of Nathan the prophet to King David. By this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the children also, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. But notice he says that because of what you have done, the position you're in, you are the Lord's anointed. You are the king of Israel. And yet, uh, because of your actions, some may be caused to blaspheme God. You know, it's truly sad when when others are led to do evil by the influence of another. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, uh, says, uh, Be not deceived, evil communications. Uh, Another translation uses uh, uh, companionships. Corrupt good manners or good morals. And so there are two kinds of influence, a positive influence and a negative influence. Another thing we need to understand is that the uh, minority can affect the majority. You know, before Israel was to go into the promised land, after coming out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, and across the Sinai Desert. They come to the border of the promised land, and they send those ten spies out. If you remember those, or twelve spies, excuse me. The twelve spies enter the land, they come back, and they give a report. If you remember, there were two of those spies. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go get it, it's ours for the taking, the Lord is with us, let's go do it. Obviously a paraphrase. But there were those other ten. They were afraid. They saw how mighty those nations were. They saw how there were giants in the land. They saw how that these people had great armies and great big cities. And they were afraid. And what happened? They turned the entire nation. Ten people turned two million people away from the promised land. They caused Israel to doubt the promises of God. Just ten people. Because of their lack of courage, the, the children of Israel, uh, you know, they continued in their grumbling, and they ended up, uh, that entire generation died in the wilderness, not seeing the promised land. You know, it's interesting how a, a, a little leaven can leaven the whole lump. First Corinthians 5, verse 6. He says, Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth The whole lump. Now while a few can negatively affect the many, few and sometimes even one can affect them positively as well. In Joshua 24 and verse 31, the summation of Joshua's life and impact upon the nation, it says, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua. Joshua and which had known all the work of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Think about the impact of Joshua, who previously, just a few verses prior to this, had said, you know, seek ye this day whom ye will serve. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and the impact of that man and his life lasted for a couple of generations. Those of that generation... Remember, he was from the previous generation. One of the only two that went into the promised land. That generation and the next, and maybe the the next after that. Stayed faithful to the Lord due to the influence of one man. So the minority can can affect the majority. And like we saw with Joshua, uh, influence is lasting. Revelation 14 and verse 13. Says, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, "Write, blessed of the dead, which die in the Lord from henceforth." Yea, saith the Spirit, they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. That influence lasts. You think about uh, Hebrews chapter eleven verse four, talks about Abel by faith. Abel offered unto Cain a more excellent sacrifice than under. Uh, I think I just said. To, Start over. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and yet by it he being dead, yet speaketh. You know, Abel speaks to us today. His influence, his impact, his obedience, even though he is the first person to die on this earth. He has been dead for many thousands of years, and his influence still lives on. His example continues to instruct us today. Even though dead, his influence continues to speak. Also, you think about uh, that woman. There, uh, when Jesus was in the house there, uh, at suppering or dining with his friends, uh, the week of his crucifixion, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 13, You know, she broke open this precious ointment and she anointed him with it. And Jesus has this to say in her defense. He says, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Her influence lasts on. On the other hand, the evil influence also is lasting Because of the sinful choices of others, later generations also may suffer consequences. Not the guilt of that sin, but the consequences of that sin. Exodus 20 and verse 5 says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, talking about idols, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation, to them that hate me. You know, if one generation bows down to an idol and they teach idolatry to the next generation, before long you've got many generations that have turned away from God and were lost as a result. So everyone has influence, either for good or bad. Even if we are in the minority, we can affect the majority, either for good or bad. And that influence carries on. Also, uh, we must seek to influence others to serve God. Again, Matthew five sixteen Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15 says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights. You know, our walk of faith must be characterized by love and righteousness. Everything we do must be done to bring glory to God. You know, and even through our, our, our good behavior, we can cause even our enemies to give glory to God. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So we can have an impact just by living our life, even those who are our enemies. You think about how the enemies of Daniel tried to use his own righteousness against him to have him thrown into that den of lions. Others, though, no doubt, saw his faith. We think about King Darius. Saw his faith and how he went through that. And it brought great glory to God. So how can we be an influencer for good? How can we so conduct ourselves in, in this world that we can lead others to Christ? And that's really what we're all about, what we are to be all about. First thing, uh, we'd be an influencer in deed, the things that we do. You know, our influence goes far beyond what we preach to others. And helping others, we must love them in word and in deed, 1 John 3 verses 17 and 18 says, But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his neighbor or seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let's not just love simply in word, but in deed, by the things that we do. By doing for others, including our enemies, we can overcome evil. Romans 12, verses 20 and 21 says, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And so there is that influence in the things that we do. You know, you might say there's influence in the way we dress. You know, Christians must not influence others to lust by wearing things that are too tight, too short, or too low. You know, modesty is a Christian virtue. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9 says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now, the same uh, level or the same idea of modesty applies to men as well. The way that we dress, the way that we uh, uh, adorn ourselves, must also be done in a modest way. You know, what we wear does communicate a message. You know, Proverbs chapter 7, there's a lot of warnings of the young man. Not to go down into the certain part of town, not to be around certain types of people. Verse 10 it says, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. There was something about the way she dressed that indicated what her profession was. What we do wear does say something about us. Maybe not to that extreme, certainly. And you know, we've got to be careful. Do not cause others to sin by the things that we say, by the things that we do, or even the things that we wear. Luke 17, verses 1 and 2 says uh, there, Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they, they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than he should offend one of these little ones. So, there is our influence in this world in the way that we dress. Christians aren't to dress like those in the world and those in those immodest ways. You know, you see, uh, drive down, especially in the summertime, you see these men out mowing with no shirt. That shouldn't be a Christian. Influence and also disposition. Talking about this—the general attitude we have toward life and people in general—it does have a great effect on others. You know, one bad, one person with a bad mood come into work, and they're grump, and it affects everyone around them. Bad moods and sour attitudes can ruin your influence. You're walking around like you were raised on a sour pickle, with an angry look on your face all the time, and then you. Try to get someone to, to uh, open up a Bible study with you or something like that. Why would they want to study with you if you're that angry and that sour all the time? You know, we, we often say people will see the way we live and they want to be like us. They want what we have. People see you walk around with that sour expression on your face all the time. They don't want what you're selling. They don't want what you have. Think about anger. You know, anger expressed generally begets only more anger, Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. If your disposition is to go around angry all the time, and go around with a chip on your shoulder, it's just going to cause uh, a negative influence. But a meek and quiet spirit can win others to the cause of Christ, 1 Peter chapter 3. It says there, um, verse 2, While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Do you have a disposition that is cheerful? Do you have a disposition that is attractive and and adorns Christ? We need to develop that in our life. There's also influence in devotion. You know, every day we set an example before others. If we're faithful in attending our worship services, then others may see our steadfastness. If we're direlit and attending, then others who are younger, they may follow our footsteps. You know, it's been said that a Christian sometimes is the only gospel the careless world will read. What others see us doing affect, uh, reflect the value we place upon our devotion to God. You know, if we're devoted to, to attending worship service every Sunday, every uh, Sunday night, every Wednesday, except on, you know, Super Sunday, deer season, opening weekend, whatever you want to. Yeah, they see that in you. They, They won't. There's no devotion there. And if all they see is you go to church, but you live the rest of your week just like them, they don't see any devotion in your life. And it turns people away. You know, when others see us, though, studying our Bibles, They see us praying and attending worship, refusing to participate in the works of the flesh. You know, they come to realize that serving God demands commitment and dedication. Again, we alluded to this a moment ago, Daniel chapter 3 and verse 28. Here, uh, talking about those three friends of Daniel that would not bow down. They would not worship that image, even though they had been threatened with being cast into a fiery furnace. They stood up for their faith. They did not burn. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve uh, nor worship any god except their own God. And so we see the influence that this had upon Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, We alluded to uh, the influence that Daniel's faith had upon King Darius in Daniel 6 and verse 5. There and there is that influence in dialogue. You know, the words we utter and the manner in which we say them can affect the way others feel about us and themselves. Proverbs 15, 4 says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach of the spirit's. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you might know uh, how, to, how you ought to answer every man. You think about uh, misuse of speech, gossip, and backbiting, do nothing but hurt the influence of the tailbearer and the target, the one who is targeted by that. Once a person develops a reputation for gossip, it becomes hard for others to trust them. Likewise, when one who professes to follow Christ uses language that is coarse and perverted, he or she will have little hope of influencing others. Then there is influence in deportments. How one behaves toward others and the way one conducts his or her own life has tremendous impact. You know, we've got to abstain from those works of the flesh. Galatians 5, 19-21 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before as I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, when others know that, you know, maybe you smoke or drink alcohol, do drugs, uh, commit fornication, any of these things, it will be almost impossible to convert them to the truth. You know, it's very hypocritical to call others to repentance when we ourselves are living in sin. It must be remembered also that people are watching, they're watching you, and your behavior can bring reproach upon the church. And then uh, there is that influence in diligence. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, we see uh, over and over how these Israelites, individuals, served uh, as illustrations of faithfulness. In faith, they did all of these great things. By faith and because of faith. So today we can encourage others by our steadfastness. Notice Hebrews 12, right after giving this list, we call Faith's Hall of Fame. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the course that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We see the diligence of, of those people and the diligence of our Savior Jesus Christ ought to inspire us to faithfulness. And so we need to be influencers in this world indeed, in dress, in disposition, in devotion, in dialogue, in deportments, and in diligence. As we seek to influence others for good, we must always remember that others may be attempting to influence us for evil. Peer pressure. You know, it can be hard to handle, and I don't think we ever outgrow it. We all have peer pressure. We usually think about it with young people, teenagers. But adults feel it too. Yet if we remember the following, we can overcome all of the evil influences in our lives. Always remember, first of all, that Satan is constantly working. He never takes a day off. He never rests, not even for a moment. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil is always at work. God is always watching too. Proverbs 15, 3 The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And so how are we walking? Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Satan is working, God is watching we must be walking for God. We must be walking in the light as He is in the light. You know, Jesus gave Himself for us. And we must give ourselves to Him in obedience, humble obedience to Him and His will. You know, we become obedient to Christ when we put on Christ in baptism, when we believe and repent of our sins and confess our belief. Then when we are baptized, we put on Christ Christ gave himself for us so that we can put him on in baptism, so that we can go and spend eternity with him in heaven. Today, if you're here and you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, we urge you today to do so. If you're here today as one who's been overcome by those evil influences in this world, we urge you to return and to come back. Tonight, today, we can help you in any way. Please come forward as we stand and as we sing.